adult child, codependent and obstinate compulsive overeater. And I introduced myself that way because in my meetings we claim our we are allowed to claim our seats in whatever programs that we're in. And though my beginning is as an adult child, um, I became a codependent. In fact, I actually started in recovery in CODA. And um, and then I found out that I was a compulsive overeater and I'm an overeater anonymous. I'm now down over a hundred pounds from my top weight. And honestly, um, it's all about this. It's all about being an adult child because this is why I ate. This is why I abused drugs and alcohol for many years. This is why I was codependent. And I also wanna say, I don't know if the folks who run this meeting have any idea how much this podcast is valuable to people because it's the only adult child podcast out there and you are saving lives. So thank you so much for doing that. So um, I decided that I want to read out of the chapter on service in ACA and in my meetings, we call this the stealth chapter. It is chapter 10 and it's called The Importance of Service in ACA. And we call it the stealth chapter because you you see the title and you're like, oh, um, we're gonna read about service. So this won't be a big deal. And just to give you an idea of what a big deal this chapter is like, this is what my book looks like. Um, and especially these three pages here because it gets at the heart of a lot of the shit in this program. And the reason I picked service is because besides doing the steps, being a sponsor is the most important thing that strengthens my recovery. And it's not quite the same way to talk about it here, but in a way we say, when I'm talking about recovery, I'm not eating. Um, and so when I'm carrying the message to other people, it's really hard for me to forget who I am, where I came from, and especially newcomers. I try to reach out to every newcomer. Of course, I don't necessarily do that perfectly, but I really try to reach out to newcomers. And I was taught when I talk to a newcomer, I do the talking. Because if they do the talking, all they're going to do is talk about the problem. And so I'm supposed to share my experience, strength, and hope. What happened, you know, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Because I want them to walk away from the meeting or from the conversation with hope. And so service is a really important part of my recovery. I was also taught if you really want to strengthen your recovery, you give service above the group level. So it's not just chairing a meeting, being a treasurer, setting up chairs. It's things like you know, getting on committees, being on the intergroup, volunteering for the WSO. And I've been on a couple of different literature committees for almost four years. And I cannot tell you what it's done for me in terms of the people I've met all around the country. I literally, my van broke down on a trip in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And somebody that I met on the literature committee came and got me and took me to a meeting. Like, you just have no idea where it's going to come in handy. But um, so I'm reading from page 355. And the heading for this section is pain, shutdown, and survival. And by the way, I would like a five-minute warning, um, if you could do that for me. And you're going to need to say it, because I'm not going to see you. So it says, perceptions are learned. Children need to believe their perceptions of reality are accurate 
and can be trusted to guide their behavior and to keep them safe from harm. They become obedient to what they believe is true and follow what they hope is the best path for finding happiness, peace, and joy. Children look to authority to help them define what is real and to make sound decisions in relating to others. The support of responsible authority gives them confidence in developing their own ability to effectively live in the world. So these are the two notes that I have written next to this. One is the worst effect of being ACA is questioning my own perception. This is for me, my worst effect of being an ACA is questioning my own perception. Is this real? Did that really happen? And I wrote also, um, I could not trust myself to keep myself safe from harm. Because as this is saying, I didn't know what was safe and what was unsafe because I was given a load of bullshit from my family where we said, you know, we're this, no, we're not, or this is what we're like, no, we're not, or you're not really feeling that. And so I came into ACA um, in April of 2015. So almost, I'm going on six years. And I would say, first of all, I'm pretty sure I cried every meeting for the first six months. And I was the only person ever crying in meetings. So it was extremely uncomfortable. And I also was practically making excuses for why I was here because objectively, I did not have it as bad as many other people. So I don't identify as the child of an alcoholic. I would say that my father was a problem drinker, which is what I was but I never thought of him as an alcoholic. And I'd heard of ACA, I actually heard of it as ACOA years ago, but I didn't hear the part about and dysfunctional families because if I had, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's totally me. But when I came in, I was like, I didn't get the shit kicked out of me. I didn't get raped. I didn't get pushed on the stairs. I didn't get my bones broken. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't get burned by cigarettes, but I have the traits. And it wasn't until I came to understand that the absence of good things happening can cause trauma and the what i call the continual sort of like drip 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 of emotional invalidation can be traumatic and I, the other thing is that on the outside i appeared as if i had my shit together uh, internally, not the case, but I would say most people would think, you know, like I have a master's degree, I own a home, I was a volunteer alcoholic, by the way. Um, and so I looked on the outside like I had my shit together. Meanwhile, I started therapy when I was probably 15. I was 52 when I came in recovery. I'm 57 now. So that's 37 years of almost continual therapy. I read a gajillion self-help books. I did workshops, workbooks, work groups retreats, spiritual groups, you name it. And though I got some help and some uh, um, like insights, I'll say over time, absolutely nothing did for me what specifically ACA, but the 12 steps of recovery have done for me. So I would say if you took what I, the healing and growth and change that I made in my first two years in ACA, if you compare that to the 37 years of all that other stuff together, not even a comparison, not even close. 
it's just the 12 steps is where it's at for me. Um, and so there's that. And then I mentioned that, you know, I was a volunteeraholic. And so this idea of someone who's always bent over backwards for other people and is terribly codependent, this idea of giving service, like where's the balance in that? And then I know that some people in ACA are afraid to give service because they're afraid they're going to suck, get sucked in and they're going to, you know, go overboard. And I will say that for me, when I give service now in recovery, which I do a lot of, it comes from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack, which is where it used to come from. So I gave because it was almost like I felt like I owed it to society to give back. And now I give one, it strengthens my recovery to give back. And two, I want this fellowship to be here in the centuries to come because what it's done for me. And so I, I want the fellowship to be here and three, I know that hearing other people's stories of recovery gave me the hope that I needed to stick around when it got really, really hard. So this is, you know, why service is so important to me. So I want to read um, some more on this same page. Again, it's page 355. It says, stinking thinking is learned. The tragedy for children in an alcoholic home is that they are robbed of a model for living that is based on a responsibility to sanity. At the core of alcoholic thinking is the insane belief that self-destructive behavior can lead to serenity and peace of mind. This helps me understand why I have abandoned myself in myriad ways over the course of my life because I was taught self-destructive behavior will lead to serenity and peace of mind. It goes on to say the abuse of alcohol becomes a model for destruction. The attitude of abuse that underlies all addictive behavior dominates the family and children learn to accept this attitude in others and themselves. By practicing and supporting a pattern of self-annihilation one generation conveys to the next the never ending a never ending cycle of despair. So the pattern of self annihilation, like that's some really strong language there. And five minutes, know, Barb. Um, five minutes. Okay, thanks. So what's really ironic is is the main issue for us as ACAs is that we fear abandonment. And the irony is, what do we do? We abandon ourselves. So we got on the bandwagon of abandonment. And I personally think that it's very important for ACAs to use the language of ACA when it's relevant. So for example, instead of saying self-annihilation or self, um, I didn't show up for myself or I self-sabotage or I didn't follow through for myself, I think that it's important to say I abandoned myself. And here's why. Because when I'm using the language of ACA, I'm reminded, oh, that's right. This behavior is a result of being an ACA. We say in ACA, we are powerless over the effects 
of alcoholism and family dysfunction. And one of the main effects is self-abandonment. The, the effects are fear and distorted thinking. And one of the forms of distorted thinking is if I abandon myself somehow, I don't know, whatever, that'll work out for me. And the reason I say it's important to connect these issues to our status as adult children is that there's a solution for that. So if you're out there floating around in the universe, like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging, or I don't follow through for myself, and you don't know what that's about, you're like hopeless. Like, what, what is the solution? But when you remember, oh my God, that's right. This is a result of me being an adult child, and there's a solution to that. That matters. So I think it's important to remember that. And then I did want to read a little bit more. This lovely section that says insanity begins Insanity begins when children are compelled to deny the reality of pain and abuse. Once children have accepted the idea that alcoholism is not violent or dangerous, they have no basis for deciding what is real or for knowing how to respond to those around them. They no longer trust authority to guide them or to protect them from harm. They are paralyzed by indecision and grow to hate themselves for being confused and vulnerable and for needing to be safe and secure. They learn to survive by punishing themselves for being vulnerable and by denying their need for love. This helps me understand why I have such shame. I think there's something wrong with being vulnerable. I think there's something wrong with wanting to be safe and secure which is ridiculous. Everybody wants to be safe and secure. Everybody wants to be close and have comfort from other people. But somehow we have this distorted thinking, which we're powerless over, by the way, and which we need a higher power for, that tells us it's bad or wrong to be vulnerable. And I would say there's so many gifts of recovery, but I will leave you with this. This concept that I learned has helped me so much. And it is the concept of being flawsome, F-L-A-W-E-S-O-M-E. In other words, I am flawed and I am awesome. They are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> and once I came to accept my own flaws, I was no longer afraid to show them to you. I wasn't in hiding all the time. I discovered my real identity and shared it with you. That made me... I'm less judgmental of me, which means I'm also less judgmental of you. So I'm accepting of my flaws, and therefore I'm much more accepting of your flaws and of the flaws of the world. And acceptance is the answer to my problem today. I've learned that in recovery. And so um, I could say so much more. I could talk for hours and hours. I'm eternally grateful for this program, and I thank you all so much for being here and keeping this meeting and this fellowship going. And I am going to keep coming. Thanks for letting me share.